Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. According to a recent Surgeon General's advisory, teens who spend more than three hours a day on social media face twice the risk of experiencing mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. This advisory comes as youth mental health remains in a state of crisis. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one in five children have a mental, emotional, or behavioral disorder, and only about 20% of those children receive care from a mental health provider. With back-to-school season in full swing, on the line to discuss is Dr. Archna Dubey, Chief Medical Officer of United Healthcare of California. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me here. Dr. Dubey, how can parents understand and monitor their teens' social media activities? Uh, look, social media is here to stay, so the parents need to get a little smart around the social media activities that their, their kids are engaging in or going to engage if they are just embarking into their social media journey. And so how parents can get smart around that is by understanding, first of all, the actual platform, the functions of it, what's it intended to do. Some of the positive things that we do see as parents or as a clinician myself is that there is, the kids are able to connect, there's a lot of their social activities and even homework is posted on social media platforms. And then it allows them to get and stay informed. So there's a lot of news channels and others to do add informational things onto the social media. But there are other things that could be harmful for a kid. One is the addictive nature of social media. The algorithms that are sitting behind the platform are meant to keep you on that platform for extended period of time. And just what you mentioned, you know, three hours or more, of social media use can cause mental health issues. And we have seen that in the data, especially for kids who have a very much developing brain. So I have a 20-year-old. So as parents, we need to get to know the platform itself. What are the settings of the platform? And, and working alongside your kid as they are embarking in that journey to kind of put in the right settings for that social media consumption, especially privacy settings, because there are strangers that could be accessing your kid's profile. The other thing is restricting inappropriate content, so having those guardrails to be put in place. And then having a very clear and direct conversation with your child that you're really creating a permanent digital footprint on this platform. Be thoughtful in what kind of comments like or or pictures that you may be posting and talking around that is like when you're posting a picture are you taking a picture of somebody else did you take the permission 
to post those pictures onto the social media platform. So those are kind of the the right things in the end and the etiquette of the social media that you may want to discuss ahead of time alongside, of course, understanding the setting. And then the third aspect of that is to really do role playing. So talking about what if scenarios, what if somebody is trying to communicate with you and you don't know that person, how do you address that? If another kid from your class is trying to bully you or another senior is trying to bully you, how do you address that? How do you develop self-control around the time of usage, screen time and others? There are settings that exist in your phone, in everyone's phone or even computers, that you could say that if I have been on a certain platform for an, uh, an X period of time, that it would automatically lock it down. So those are methods in which you could get smart around your team's use of social media platforms. Why should parents create a family social media plan and how can parents start creating their plan? Well, the one is that having a family plan for anything in general allows for an open discussion, what is right, what is good, and creating a guardrail. So hence, having a family social media plan is a smart thing that we could do. That That is an agreed upon expectation because every right to use the social media comes with responsibility. And so when you do have that family meeting in which you're developing this plan, everybody signs off on it. So they, your kid, son or daughter, will have their skin in this game in a way to be part of this plan creation. So then they are more invested into it. So Things that American Academy of Pediatrics has set up a really, really good template. We use that as a family to set up our family social media plan in which we created boundaries for all of us, so including myself, including us as parents, and then also our son to talk about how we will be each other's friends, for example, on that social media platform so that we can help support each other. Screen time limits, online safety, protecting personal privacy. Those are things that are kind of relevant subsets of those. But then also the Academy of Pediatrics has other components and, and templates includes that. Like, do you use your phone in your bedroom? Do you use social media in your bedroom? It's much better to use that in, in a more kind of public family place rather than in isolation. So those are the boundaries that you could put together alongside your child that they are invested into that social media plan. Like you said, you have a 20-year-old son, so you know what it is like to raise a teenager through the Facebook era. How can parents find out about their teen's social media activity? It is a good idea. If you are a lucky parent who is listening and your child is just about starting to explore social media, you have a head start. So it's a good idea to introduce the social media to your child yourself and be their friend. And so you can be helping them post alongside them if they're that young. Generally, 13 is the legal age in which they start. We do know 40% of kids 8 to 12 are not only curious, but also have access to the social media platform, unfortunately. So it's a good idea for you to shadow your child as they are posting a picture or having the first start to the social media. But also, if you are their friend, which is generally the most ideal case. You don't need to lurk, but you can like their posts, for example. And then they know that parent is 
there with me, alongside me, not watching me, but alongside me and promoting what is the right way of posting, what is the right way of interacting with that. I do also think that alerting your child that if somebody unknown has tried to reach out and add or is trying to follow you, reach out to me and I will be able to see, one, who this person is and how can we help you to block that person. So just having a role playing and also a shadow relationship with your child as they are embarking in the social media use will be a good idea for parents to do. Should parents limit electronic use while teens are at home? Well, we talked about the three-hour limit for, for mental health. The challenge today is that most of the education and information sits on screens. The kids are supposed to complete their homework on the laptop or their iPads or a tablet. A lot of their homework and teacher communication could be coming through maybe not the popular social media platform, but other school-endorsed social media platforms. Those are still social media because you could be communicating with your peers. So the difficulty is the screen time can be pretty healthy, large screen time. What we want to qualify it as how much of that screen time is focused on academics and how much of that screen time is focused on consuming the social media information or interacting with the social media platform. That is what we as parents want to curb down on because that is what is linked to mental health issues. Kids tend to have body dissatisfaction or leading to disordered eating behaviors or social comparison, or lower self-esteem as a result of the dissatisfaction with the body image or social comparison. And then also poor sleep because they lose track of time as they're consuming social media. So I almost want to qualify the screen time to two different things. One is for productivity, which is around academics or really interacting with teachers and others. And the other one is around purely entertainment or social connection through social media. That the labor part is what needs to be less than three hours and sporadic, not continuous across the, a long period of time. Is it important that parents share what they are doing on social media with their children? Yeah, I, I just alluded to the fact that we need to be role playing. And before you know it, like look around yourself and, and, and look at yourself to as parents. I know that I'm guilty on, uh, of using my phone way too much. And I do, granted that I would use it for work and other things, responding to emails and texts. But every so often, you are pulled into media platforms, whether to get information or connecting with your friends. So just be mindful of the time that you are spending yourself on social media and really developing good role models uh, for your kid. Especially, there are a few things that we have done is to create tech-free zones. And the tech-free zones include, you know, dinner time, family time. Intentionally picking, you know, going out in nature or biking and others. I did a 100-mile bike ride with my son just this summer. And as a mom, something. And, and part of that was, of course, ramping up to that ride was training. And so each one of those training moments, we were chatting, we were away from screens or tech or were tech free and we were connecting with nature. Few things you could do is like set up some kind of um a goal with your child that is not tech 
and that allows you to then role play really well and get you healthy and your child away from the social media. I'm speaking with Dr. Archna Dubey, Chief Medical Officer for United Healthcare of California. According to this study from the CDC, teens who spend more than three hours a day on social media face twice the risk of experiencing mental health issues like depression and anxiety. What are some of the other potential issues referenced in this report? Yes, and I did allude to that. So this report does talk about kids when they engage on social media, they tend to develop body dissatisfaction or disordered eating behavior. And that happens because most of us, and I'm counting myself into this, most of us post pictures or share experiences that are kind of the highlights of our day or highlight of a month or highlight of the year. And and so from external perspective, all of our life looks really good on social media. And so the kids who are maybe struggling with body image issues and others, they tend to see only the good side of their peers. And that leads to further dissatisfaction and leading to eating disorders. And we have seen direct link between social media consumption and eating disorders, for example. Keeping in mind some of the influencers who are on the social media platforms are also promoting certain types of body image. Now, they may have other help or they may have full-time you know, workout and trainers and others. Our children don't have that. And they may have genetic predisposition to look a certain way and others. So the influencers are looking different and everybody is following them. And so that starts to kind of feed or eat into your child's personal image and self-esteem. And that is something that is a huge concern. The second thing is social comparison. So when, when you live in a community, you, know, you generally, you know, your kids are like generally with, with similar socioeconomic environment and they are interacting with each other at an equitable level in a way. When we open this up to a social media platform, now kids from all different socioeconomic backgrounds are posting all these pictures of lavish vacations, exotic things that they're doing that allows for now your child to have some uh, uh, quite a high level of social comparison and dissatisfaction with their own social status and others. So those are things that can be extremely detrimental for the child. And then that both of the body image and the social comparison leads to lower self-esteem. And then what lands up happening is they are waiting for somebody else to like their posts and others and keep doing the Insta Reels or short videos and others that leads to poor sleep because they're constantly being on that platform. So all of these are causing both mental health issues and physical health issues too because the poor sleep can lead to diabetes and weight gain and all of the other things that we do worry about. So we do need to bring parents up to speed in the real tangible impact that their kids can have as a result of overuse and overconsumption of social media. While the Surgeon General's advisory focuses on the potential negative impacts of social media use on kids and teens, it also acknowledges that social media can provide some benefits. Can you explain that? Social media today is a platform that allows people to be able to connect with other individuals, whether it's a mentor or uh, other kid with a similar liking, passions, and uh, sporting ability without, you know, needing to drive to them or without needing to fly to that region. 
and be able to build connections that could be meaningful and that can help the growth and mentoring of your child. So that, that is a positive that the, the report did share that building connection is, is a big advantage. Secondly, staying informed. So we do see that if there is a fire or if there is an earthquake somewhere, it quickly spreads the information across social media platform. Or if there's even a traffic, for example, issue in, in a certain highway, you could use alternate highways. So there is a way to stay informed besides, of course, the news and then engage with others to have ability to, to you know, respond to either an event that has happened a response to collecting together and staying to safety. The other thing that is also very much utilized is social media does become a good platform for people to sell things. And the kids are becoming more and more entrepreneurial and they are starting to build things or make things that they could easily produce and sell off of social media. That is another marketplace uh, experience that the kids can have, uh, older kids can have. The last thing is connecting with the teachers. So the social media platform, I like I shared, is using homework assignments and events at school that could be helpful. I'm speaking with Dr. Archana Dubey, Chief Medical Officer of United Healthcare of California. How can parents help determine if their child is experiencing any mental health issues? Yes, the signs of mental health issues are vary with, with the child. Most of the time, the kids can show or exhibit signs of withdrawal. So they could be not participating in activities that they used to participate or enjoy before. So if you notice your child is withdrawing from social activities like going out for a movie or hanging out with a friend, that is a sign that they're starting to develop and avoid happy situations and are probably not enjoying that. Another one is excessive sleeping or not sleeping much. Both can be a sign of mental health issues. Third is if they are eating too much or not eating enough. Those could be the other things. Like you can notice your child having issues with avoiding food mealtime. That is something that is definitely of concern. If their grooming abilities and, and they are starting to not groom themselves and withdrawing from showing excitement on getting ready, those are things that could be sign of mental health. Irritability and mood swings, especially irritability more so we have seen in boys. We see more mood swings more in girls, and statistically. But both can be signs of poor mental health. And then, of course, eventually it does turn out into the academic performance. If you are noticing that your child has been doing really well, and then there is a slight, consistent sliding in their grades that are happening, those can be of huge concern for, for you. Um, I would also say that difficulty communicating if they are having lower volume than usual or are not able to fluently communicate suddenly, those are other ways that you, you can kind of tell what's, what's happening with the child. What's a well-child visit and when should parents schedule one? Well-child visit is once a year annual check-in with your pediatrician or if the child has become closer to an adult a family physician and provider, which is which are the primary care provider for your child. And I generally recommend once a year check-in. That includes both check-in on 
physical health and mental health and preventative things. So, for example, in physical examination, the doctor will examine head, neck, chest, listen to the lungs, heart, and look at the growth and development of your child. There are some additional tests that we do, inclusive of hearing tests and vision tests, which do become really important in the early age of your child. So there are, if there are subtle changes in vision or subtle changes in hearing, we could quickly correct to not have permanent issues around that. And then you could also get your kind of school sports physical form to be completed since they are doing the exam anyway, so that uh, you could be efficient around that. And then, of course, part of physical health is uh, covering routine immunizations like tetanus shot, measles, polio vaccine, hepatitis B, chicken pox, whooping cough, etc. And of course, the flavor of the town is COVID vaccine to make sure that they are up to date with that. And this is a flu season, so just making sure that they also get the flu shot. On the mental health front, we do a couple of screenings and additional as needed. So a couple that we do uh, recommend for all annual physicals is to screen for depression. And there's a depression scale, which is very sensitive and specific. And then there is one for anxiety. And so those are a couple of screening tests that we do. If there is parental concern or if we notice any changes in the growth and development, that we will add on eating disorder screens, bipolar screening, bipolar disorder screen or ADHD screening if that is brought to our attention through either parent or teachers. So those are things that we do in a well-child visit, and I would highly recommend doing it once a year for your child. How can parents support their child's mental health from a whole health perspective after visiting the doctor? So generally, it starts with visiting the doctor. And so the doctor in you and your child can develop a plan around depending on the findings of the screening. So there is the flavors, of like the intensity of mental health can be more just kind of, hey, I'm stressed. And that can be managed through self-help tools, right? Like mindfulness meditation and during sleep, right before sleeping, having a meditative session. There are some stress management tools called cognitive behavioral therapy tools that have highly effective well-studied that the child can do themselves. And you can assist your child to get started on it. And generally, parents need to support them, especially for these, to build a habit around doing meditation, doing cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT for anxiety and sleep. If the condition is a little bit more intense, which can be managed through therapy, the therapist can help your child to learn how to self-navigate from stressors and bounce back from it and build resiliency. Some kids, when they do have, during screening, very high score, we may consider medications. And so that is a discussion to be had with your pediatrician or primary care physician. Most of the time, at least in my practice, what we have done is have a scaled or step therapy kind of approach in which uh, we start with either self-help or therapy and then see and re-screen and then get to more medications and others thereafter. Management of mental health is very important. What tools you use do become relevant and based on the intensity of it. I would say one of the things, exercise and sleep. Those are a couple of things that if you can make them sustainable for your child, they are the biggest preventative things that you could put in place against most all mental health 
condition. I've been speaking with Dr. Archna Dubey, Chief Medical Officer for United Healthcare of California. Where can parents go to find more resources? As far as the resources around well child care, you could easily go on uhc.com and you would be able to get information around what is included, how people need to go for uh, well child care, and then also what kind of vaccinations would be recommended. I would, as far as the, you know, the harmful effects of social media on mental health are concerned, I would highly recommend every parent to kind of go in and read up on the advisory that has been issued by U.S. Surgeon General around the impact, the potential harmful impact, and the tip sheets that have been included there through CDC, uh, Academy of Pediatrics. But you could also go on uhc.com to get more mental health information and resources around how to support your child. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you for sharing these important tips and thank you for being on the front lines as well. Thank you for having me here. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.